Good morning. How are we doing today? Beautiful, beautiful fall morning. Don't you hope it just stays like this for the coming six months? Uh, that would be a foolish prayer. <laughs> My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney Free Church. It's great to see you today. If we haven't yet met, love to connect with you after the service. Uh, if you're a newcomer here today, we extend a special welcome to you. Wasn't that nice just to be able to sit on that passage for a moment from Psalm 31, 131? We get so much uh, noise in our lives and so little quiet time. But to consider, my heart is not proud, O oh God. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with wonderful things, things too great for me. But I've stilled and quieted my soul in you, God. That's what God would invite for us, that we would still and quiet our soul in him from time to time, and I pray that you have an opportunity to do that today and in these coming days. Uh, I'd like to give just a little vision for where we're going here for this morning, a little portrait. Today's a different kind of Sunday. Uh, today, if, if you normally come to Carnegie Free and, uh, and you know that normally what we do is we open up a passage of Scripture and we teach out of it, and we'll do a little bit of that though this morning. But today's a little bit different, and if you're a newcomer here today, we encourage you to come back next week as well, because today is so different. We're going to have a video for 12 or 13 minutes that portrays our future, which we'll talk about a bit this morning. We're going to have a little roundtable discussion up here with myself and a couple other leaders in our church as we talk about a capital opportunity that is related to our strategic plan initiatives that we're going to talk about today, and then we'll stand and we will sing and uh, talk about ways uh, that you also can be involved in this great opportunity that's in front of us. We've just uh, launched a new series titled Equipped to Lead, and the idea in it is that God invites all of us to be leaders, and with our various relationships, we want to be equipped to lead, not just dependent on other people. And so we're saying to God, how would you equip us to lead with our treasures? How would you equip us to lead with our families, with our marriages, in our relationship with you? And last week, while well, we made the point that equipping begins and it continues with regularly, constantly, day in and day out, receiving vertically the love of God to us as he extends it to us. And then it continues as we enter into loving relationships with a few others, and we learn to increasingly bear the burdens of a few others. Do you remember that? Anyone from last Sunday? I hope you remember that. That was a key foundational piece to this idea of equipping is we constantly are receiving from the love of God who choose to leave the 99 for you. He loves you that much. We actually believe here in this vision that every person matters. We say that on a weekly basis, but we actually believe it. That you're far more than a number here. We want to organize our ministries and think about our future direction and pray in such a way that we believe every person matters. We want every person to have community and know that you're more than a number here. And to do that takes a lot of action. It's got to be way more than just talk. And to develop a church in which every person knows they matter requires some strategic initiatives to get us there. And so today we're going to talk about these five strategic initiatives that take us from where we are today to where we want to be in these coming years. As we talk about vision, though, this morning, there's a couple different verses that have really been big on my mind for the past months. One of them is Psalm 127. In Psalm 127, the first verse says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. It's quite a statement that we each are responsible for our various areas of influence and we must do all that we can to build in those. But unless we are prayerfully dependent on God, unless the Lord is in it, building the house with us, then we labor in, in vain. That's quite a word. I don't think what this is saying is that we can't do anything on our own. We actually can do much on our own. But we can't do anything of lasting spiritual value, lasting eternal value, outside of Christ. When Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing of lasting spiritual value, that's, that's what he meant. 
that apart from Jesus, what we do here at this church really won't matter. And so we come back to this again and again. God, would you build this house? Would you build our future? Would you watch over our future? We trust in you, God. Because apart from you, we, we realize we just can't do it. So that's one verse that's been significant for me as we've thought about this future together. Another one is related to this idea of vision. And it's very, very simple. In the old King James, it goes like this from Proverbs 29, 18. It says, without vision, the people perish. Without vision, people perish. You say, wow, that seems a bit extreme. But the truth is, for all of us, unless we have a direction for our lives, we lose focus on anything. We kind of whittle away on the vine, as it were, and we turn from these luscious grapes into dry raisins without vision for our future. The NIV puts it this way, without revelation, the people cast off restraint. Without revelation from God, people cast off restraint. They live without direction. They live without boundaries. You ever seen a family that doesn't have direction? That's a family that casts off restraint, a family living without boundaries. Here's the truth. If you don't have a target for what you are shooting for in life, you will hit it every time. If we don't have a target as a church for what we are shooting for as a church, we will hit that nothing every time. We want to be the kind of church that has specific targets for where we are going because we believe if we are aligned across a God-honoring, specific, laser-focused vision, we can do so much to put a dent for the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to be about here is not shooting in every different direction, but aligning our energies such that we are actually making a dent for the kingdom of God. Once again, a family without a vision. It may not be a stated vision, it may not be a written vision, but a family's got to have direction, right? And a business has to have direction or it doesn't last very long. And so also there are many churches, unfortunately, that live without a specific vision for their preferred and better future. And what inevitably happens to people who are in those churches is this. You feel like you're getting on this hamster wheel or you're just going around and around in a circle and you're saying to the leaders, where are we going here? And eventually you hop off the hamster wheel and you get frustrated and you say, what is the point of all this? And unfortunately, there are organizations that operate like that. And we are committed as a church to say, God, give us vision for our future together. And the vision that we're going to share here in the moments to come is uh, a direction for our church that we believe is inspired by the Lord. Given to him as we've planned and prayed together amongst elders and strategic planning team and pastors over the past couple years and acknowledging the great history that we have here at Carney Free, even as we understand that if we stay there, we will get stale. And I don't know how long you've been at Carney Free, but if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we have this amazing history that has been soaked in the Bible and an amazing history that includes a church stoppage and then a restart maybe 20 years later and then a number of different church buildings across town and great children's ministries and youth ministries and worship ministries all based on the truthfulness of Christ. But let me just say it again. If we don't have a vision for the future, all that great history doesn't matter. It gets us stale. We have to have a vision for where we are going in the future. And so what we're going to talk about here, as you look at this video in just a moment, is the vision that we as an elder and staff team believe that God has led us to for the next several years. And I want you to know that it is soaked in prayer. And it is filled with biblical focus. And it is a Christ-exalting vision. And I believe it's a laser-focused vision on what God wants to do here in this community and on our current cultural context that we could do more together for his kingdom than we could ever do individually and apart. We are seeking to ride a wave that we believe God has created and say, God, can we please join you? Can we please join you in the great work that you are doing here in Kearney and even beyond? 
So with all of that said, just sit back and take in this video. It's about 12 or 13 minutes in length. But it's a beautiful portrayal of our past and our future church initiatives. And it's, uh, it's worth every second of your attention. Take a look. Nate and Prairie, thank you so much for joining us today. We uh, picked your family for this project to take a look at this video because your family is one in our church of many that has demonstrated such a commitment to our church, to our mission, our vision, our core values across a long period of time. And uh, we know you love Christ, you love this church deeply. And we would ask if you would uh, take a look at this video and tell us a little bit about what it conjures in your hearts. The desire of Carney E. Free Church is to consistently saturate our lives in the truth of the gospel, regularly join together in loving community, and to always serve a mission bigger than self. Growth and change have occurred throughout E. Free's history, but the teaching has never changed. Our teaching has been centered on the gospel and foundational biblical principles. Our church has experienced seasons of struggles and hardships. Back in 1929, five faithful women kept our doors from closing permanently by picking up the mantle of missionaries and prayer warriors. Mrs. Lumberg, Mrs. Tilda Bloomquist, Mabel Bloomquist, and Anna Bloomquist, and Winnie Haig faithfully served our church and called a special meeting to bring in pastoral leadership to E-Free. Through God's grace, the church has been able to overcome and grow closer together. And over the last several years, our church has experienced incredible growth as we've come alongside the future generations and witnessed life change for Christ. There have been over 230 baptisms at Eve Free these past five years and numerous decisions to follow Jesus. People struggling with addiction have found relief and comfort in their Savior through R3, Eve Free's recovery ministry. A Christ-loving, multicultural community has grown through the bilingual ministry. Individuals who hunger in body and spirit have found God's loving hand through the storehouse ministry. And families are becoming equipped to lead their households through the teachings of Christ and are brought to life through next-gen ministries. All this is possible through the power of God working through the church body. Whether it is through individuals volunteering their time or giving financially, God has blessed many at Carney E. Free and in the surrounding communities. Every has a 130-year history in Kearney, Nebraska. In 1990, Kearney Evangelical Free Church made the bold step to purchase 16 acres of land off 7th Avenue and 39th Street. It's hard to believe, but God provided this amazing property for $239,000. Through three building phases and a parking lot addition, and the construction of a beautiful kitchen, our church has invested nearly $13 million in this property and ministries that flow from it. Now, in the 28th year at this location, eFree has grown over to 1,500 weekly attendees in four Sunday morning services. And recently, we have been strategically seeking what God would have us do next. Through prayerful preparation, the following five goals will help us move from here to there by 2022. The five goals include from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth, from Sunday to every day, from church dependent to equipped to lead, from lost in a crowd to known in a community, and from Kearney to the world. These strategic goals along with retiring debt on our church building will allow us to move from here to there and all for the glory of God. It is the desire of E-Free for people who feel lost in a crowd to be known in a community that focuses on the transformational message of Christ. In order to accomplish this, the church actually needs to get smaller. Seekers and Christians alike long for the well-run ministries that a large church provides, combined with the intimacy of genuine community. By 2020, the church anticipates the need for a third on-campus multi-purpose worship space. This third space will combine the quad and middle school rooms and provide a unique acoustic worship service for those who prefer a more intimate environment, along with providing a space for the bilingual ministry to grow. In addition, this will serve as a dedicated teaching space for up to 200 youth for student ministries. 
This space will also serve as a chapel for funerals and weddings. It is our intention to go from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth and have an increased focus by staying tuned in to the Holy Spirit through prayer. In light of this, the church intends to build a 24-7 prayer room for the congregation and broader community by the fall of 2019. Adjacent to the E-Free Sanctuary, this prayer room will provide a safe, private environment to connect more deeply with Christ. Apart from a deep connection with Christ, we can do nothing of lasting spiritual value. Finally, it is also important for our church to not only focus on the Kearney community, but also the world. After seeking God over the past couple years, He has answered prayers through a partnership with Compassion International. Through child sponsorship, we have already begun a long-term partnership with Magange Columbia. The church has sent a short-term mission team to Magange to begin relationship building with the people there. The plan is to fund and plant a church in this beautiful city, which is desperate for the gospel of Christ by 2019. In the years to come, child sponsorship will continue, pastors will be trained, and the congregation will assist to serve the church in Magange through work projects. This international community is open to the gospel, but largely unreached for Christ. Along the way, they will serve us, and we will serve them. In the name of Jesus, we will ask God to help us be a part of alleviating spiritual and economic poverty in Magange for decades to come. These are big goals for our church. This is a God-sized vision for E-Free's future. As a church family, E-Free has been blessed to be a blessing. And so, we are praying, investing, and building into our families, our neighborhoods, our world, and our very selves. Just like the five faithful women who invested in keeping the church doors open to advance the kingdom and establish a strong foundation for where our church is today, we have room to pray and grow in our current future with Christ, who can do more than we can ask or imagine. Just curious, what, what's your reaction as you watch that video? What emotions does it stir in you? Well, excitement. Yeah. Um, I'm proud of what the church has accomplished as well, what God's doing in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was somewhat emotional for me too, knowing the ups and downs our church has had over the years and we're able to be part of that where it's at now and um, be able to see a specific part of the role that we are able to play in that as well and know that it's um, a lot larger than we are, but it's something at the same time that we're doing together as a church. It's exciting. I remember a lot of those things, you know, uh, groundbreaking and you know, for the new sanctuary and just all the changes that we've seen. And I just think it's exciting because, you know, it seems like um, whatever our church does faithfully, God provides. And so I just can't wait to see this come to fruition. I, I just wholeheartedly believe He will bring it to fruition if this is where He wants us to go. So. As you think about those five goals, though, that we listed, from spiritual busyness to spiritual depth, from Sunday-only Christianity to real, everyday Christianity, from lost in a crowd to known in community, from church-dependent to equipped to lead, and then from carny to the world, like, what if we achieved those in four or five years? How do you think that would um, impact our church? What, what do you hope that God would do through these goals in these years to come? I mean, if truly all of those goals are reached, then that means that the majority of people in our town and in our church are reached, which dramatically changes our own community and how we're loving on others. But then if we're going beyond that and we're going internationally um, and leading by example, by love, by how Christ loves us, then that changes hundreds of thousands of other lives because if you think we're living this way then the people we come in contact to that has an effect on them and it kind of trickles down um but that's i feel like that's a far-reaching effect that you can't even fully comprehend because i mean that's a god thing yeah 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 it's it's going to be a, a work of prayer and obviously a work of strategy but it'll ultimately be determined by god he'll get the increase and we will not but um it's fun to imagine what could be if they were achieved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, I uh, learned a long time ago that the church I'm a part of, that I commit to, I want to have faith in that and have faith that um, 
God is leading our leadership where it goes, and so therefore I support support that fully. So I'm just kind of excited that where our church is leading, I'm willing to follow that. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, be involved. We're not just going to sit down. I'm so thankful for these goals, for these directions. I think that's what's helped us over the years is having a church that has uh, a way for us to plug in. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you weren't sure about Men's Forge to begin with because you've done some other things, but once you got involved, you, this was just what you needed in certain other areas. It's just been the experience. So I'm excited that people are going to have ways to plug in, be involved, and to get excited for the Lord and seeing what He's going to do, especially to the world. Can you imagine, Carney, Nebraska, we're going to impact all the world. Yeah. And we've got... I mean, and, and the world is coming to us. I mean, you look at the international students here and the friendship programs we have there with that. You know, it's both directions, amazingly enough. So for you, the expansion of community investment and the whole of our ministries through these five goals is a really positive potential outcome. And I'm really glad the first goal that mentions devs because I think no matter where we're at, that's probably a, con- a continual challenge to all of us uh, that we don't just get busy, and that's that hits me pretty pretty well because it's easy for me to get busy and let the tyranny, the urge, and um, sidetrack my relationship with God. Sometimes we want to finish well. How can we finish yeah. well? Because we have these opportunities, or you start well, maybe if you've never done it before. With those goals in mind. What do you hope God will do through Carnegie Free in the future? Bring people in. Let them know it's a safe place where people love them and live life with them. That we are a lot of imperfect people that love Jesus and we want to love them and come alongside them. You know, we talk about um, moving from one service to two, now we have three. Possibility of adding more, we have more venue spaces and all that stuff. And I said, bring it on. You know, the more people that can come through these doors and hear what God wants them to say, wants you to say, you know, I think the better. And I just, I'm excited to see what He will do. Um, and I just think it's, I think He's, He's blessed us and, I just want to continue to be honoring to what he wants, and I'm excited to see it. Did you like that? Can you believe we have that kind of talent at our church, like Eric O'Brien and Cody Riedel, to put together videos like that? Oh, my word. We are gifted here. Well... Uh, on stage with me right now are two men who have really led the charge over the past year as we've been looking forward to this day with the capital opportunity though, that we're going to present to you now. And both have been involved with the strategic planning initiatives that you just hit, heard, those five initiatives all undergirded by this one capital opportunity. And so we're just going to have a little bit of question and answer time about that as you inevitably would have some questions and hopefully they can be answered in this time. And then after the service, they'll also be available at the kiosk out in the lobby, both this Sunday and next Sunday as well. But on stage with me right now are Robert Moncrief and Dave Challey. And uh, you might or might not know these guys, but they have done more than you could possibly imagine. Over the past three decades or so to make this church what it is today. And they've mostly served behind the scenes but it's been my incredible honor to work with them over this past year as we moved into this project, and I've learned so much from Robert and Dave, and these are two men that love this church as much as anyone that you would meet, and so uh, so grateful for your leadership to bring us to this point. Uh, I'm going to um, get the ball rolling with a few different questions here, and I'll, I'll start with you, Dave, if you could. Um, how did we decide on these investments in the strategic plan? It strikes me that there's many projects that could be done. Why did we choose these? Yeah, there, there are many good projects, and, and you talked a lot about vision early on. And in order to get, get the right vision, um, we need to plan strategically. 
Many times churches have so many good things, so many good opportunities that they spread their energy in a lot of different areas. So Adrian brought early on to us the need to be more strategic in our planning to support the vision. So two years of, of praying and, and planning, meeting with pastors, elders, staff, uh, even some community leaders. We assessed strengths and weaknesses as you might expect in a strategic planning process. And um, we did the planning uh, and we're trusting that God will, will direct the steps. And, and that's really what we're, uh, what we're hoping for. One of the things that we're excited about in, this, in, this, uh, in these initiatives is that so many of them, actually all of them, are directly related to reaching the lost for Christ, as well as building up individuals and families in their relationship with Christ to have the best, most robust relationship with Him personally that they can. So that's a little bit of how the process went over the last couple of years. Right. Thanks, Dave. As you all saw on the pie chart on the screen, we have $1.1 million remaining on our debt here in this beautiful space and in the lobby that we constructed a number of years ago. Robert, what is the benefit of paying down that debt? Well, Adrian, as I try to address that specific question, there are definitely things that I can tell you that I know with absolute certainty, but then there are also those things that only God will reveal to us you know, over the course of time in his own time. So the things that I can tell you with absolute certainty are that in Proverbs, you know, it gives us a warning of being leery of taking on debt, for one. Uh, it tells us that the borrower is a slave to the lender. Um, and I trust that we, we have not been a slave other than, you know, we've taken on debt, so obviously I guess we are a slave, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you. When it really comes down to it, we are. But the thing that I would tell you is that we have a tremendous, diverse group of folks that have oversaw our finances of the church for a long time. And they are multi-talented, and they take that responsibility very seriously. And as I'll share here in a few minutes, uh, they have been... Um, they have persevered and been very diligent in, um, in getting that debt retired as quickly as possible. The other thing I would tell you is that currently we commit about $200,000 uh, to principal and interest on our present loan. Um, what would happen if we were able to retire that debt, if God would lead in that direction, that's where I don't have the answers, but I know God does. And, you know, if he would reveal to us, you know, a multitude of things. Uh, here are some examples of the way he may work. And I'm not saying these are exact, but it's a way for you to connect uh, with what God might do. So in the area of equipped to lead, you know, what would God do maybe if he said, E-free? Uh, you know, why don't you invest more heavily in your intern program uh, so that we can attract and retain more young ministry leaders that are either involved here or move on to other churches? You know, maybe God would do that. Uh, maybe he approaches us and says, you know, your youth ministry led by Jordan Heinrichsen and his team, you know, what's that going to look like if we impact the youth of this area and what they might do in the high schools, um, the community, the world. And, you know, what if we do something bigger than you could ever believe? You know, I don't know. Um, here's something that should be very real to us. In, in the last year, uh, we had Compassion come in. Uh, many of us walked through the trailer out in the parking lot. So in regards to Carney to the world, and again, this is something that I think the staff had discussed, but they put together kind of a, a goal, a challenge, that we might sponsor 150 kids. <laughs> I don't know why I get choked up about this, but what, what, did, what did God want to do? How many did he want us to sponsor? 
360. So part of our strategic initiatives are to do one church and one child development center in Magange. You know, could God say, you know, I want to impact that region way more than that. You know, what about two or three? Yeah, we don't know, but God does. So, I think our goal is to basically be in a position where we're able to listen and hear what God wants in store for us, and then when he calls, we can act. And how cool would that be um, if we're just always seeking and waiting and then following, you know, where he leads us? Uh, Adrian, I want to kind of go down a rabbit trail here if I can, so thank you. So uh, we're, we're going to talk about history a little bit. Did I give you permission? Uh, I knew you did. So, so. Uh, we're going to talk about history a little bit here. So this is where I need some participation. And I need these guys to help me out here because I only see about 15 people out there this morning. I had surgery for a detached retina a couple weeks ago, so I just see a bunch of lights and a, and a lot of blurriness. So help me by raising your hands. Uh, if you have been involved with this church for 30 years, roughly, you know, put your hands up for me. About a dozen. A dozen. We had probably a hundred, or at least this, this is what these guys tell me, is that we had about a hundred in the first service, and then I had a report that we had about five uh, in the venue this morning. And, you know, we have gone from a church of 450 people 30 years ago at Harmon Park, and now we're roughly 1,500. So God has blessed this church beyond what any of us could even in, have envisioned. Um, so as we look at what God has done, 30 years ago, uh, those of you that would have been involved in the church, uh, we would have purchased this property already, and we would have taken a vote to say, okay, we're ready to build phase one, which is the North Auditorium and some Sunday school classes on the north and the east. And we voted to build that without borrowing, which, you know, is kind of unheard of, really. But God honored that, and we were able to do that. Uh, from 1991 to 1995, uh, when we were looking at building phase two, which is the administration wing and the Sunday school classes down below, construction costs were going up for anywhere from 5 to 10% every year, and it was outpacing interest rates um, significantly. So we opted to borrow $4.5 million uh, to build that facility, and fast forward to December of 2001, um, you know, that debt was retired uh, by God's grace. So seven-year time frame, uh, that debt was retired. If we fast forward to 2010, you know, we take a vote to build this facility here and, and the downstairs area at roughly $6.3 million. And here we are, you know, seven years later, um, and we're in this position with a million dollars, you know, left on that debt. So God has blessed us beyond what we can even imagine. Um, I'm going to ask for another period of um, interaction. I want you to close your eyes for me, if you would. So, we're on a race, and it's, it's going to be a long-distance race. For me, that's probably 400 yards anymore. Uh, for you, it may be two miles, it may be a marathon, but this, this isn't a yardage race, it's a 30-year race. 30 years we have been in the process of relocating from Harmon Park to here, and again, symbolically, 
for me anyway, uh, I can kind of see the finish line, you know, out there at a distance. Um, and that 30 years has gone by like, you know, that. So I don't know what your 30-year race looks like, but um, I hope you're blessed as much as I have been over the course of that time in seeing what God has done. You can open your eyes now. So, so anyway, um, I, it's just extremely neat to see what God has done. And I'm extremely excited to see what he will do, um, uh, God willing, you know, in the future. I'm going to throw it back to Dave uh, right now. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were having a discussion, kind of putting the wrapping touches on some things we had to do yet. And he made a statement that um, it was one of the, kind of those aha moments. And uh, I just want him to share that with you this morning. Yeah, we were talking about the, um, the initiatives in the project. And, and I just noted that this is one of the few projects, mostly when a church uh, advances and builds, uh, they increase programs and buildings and the debt goes up with it. This one is different because as we continue to advance and build, which, which we are doing in this, we are also seeing the debt go down. That's part of one of our initiatives. So I just thought that that was one of the uniquenesses of this. Adrian, it's my turn now to turn the tables on you and ask a question of you. Um, you know, this is something that you've helped me wrestle with and, and get a better grasp of. So help the congregation understand why we would build a prayer room versus just designating uh, a current location in the building as a prayer room? Yeah, that's a great question. You've asked that, Robert, and maybe a few in this room are even asking that. Why would we build a separate prayer room as opposed to designating one? And we certainly could just designate a room as a prayer room, and that's something that our strategic planning team has considered over the past couple years as we've gone through this process. But uh, there's something about a really beautiful, designated, unique space that says, we value this. Like you enter into this room and it says, they value worship. And so also, if you enter into a designated prayer room that is specifically for prayer, that's not a multi-purpose room, but is a sacred place to connect with God, it says, they believe in the power of prayer here. Moreover, and more practically, let me share two things about this. If we do an external space that would be attached to this exit right over here, as you've seen it on the building plans, it gives us an opportunity to have a 24-7 space that's available to our church and to the community with a security code anytime. So anytime that you feel like you need a sacred space to go and pray, you could go use that prayer room and know that you have a quiet, safe place to be by yourself, to be alone with God, and to meet in a, in a quiet sanctuary of sorts. Uh, moreover, it takes a, a great deal of courage for someone to come forward at the end of a worship service to the front of this room, to this stage, and receive prayer from a number of our prayer partners who are available on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis. And many of you have demonstrated that courage again and again, and I say keep it up. But when you're at that place, Robert, of kind of a crisis of faith, or you're at an emotional turning point or relational brokenness, to come in front of several hundred people and to say, I need prayer, is a non-starter for many people. And to walk through a lobbyway to another room on the other side of the building is also a non-starter to many people, but because it says, okay, there's another obstacle that I have to jump through in order to get prayer. But if we have a space that's attached to that exit right there that right after the service happens and someone is cut to the core by the Holy Spirit and they say, yeah, I need to meet with someone. I need to have a quiet time to connect with God. And can I do it, please, anonymously? That that could happen. There's a woman who came to me right after the first service and she had tears in her eyes and she said, Adrian, out of all of those things that you guys are doing, thank you for designating a 24-7 prayer space. She said, I can't tell you the number of times that I've thought about coming forward and asking for prayer, but I haven't had the courage to do that. And that's what we want, is that everyone would know they matter, and part of that is we connect with each other in prayer, and we always have space by which people can connect with God on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis.
Robert, as, as we're talking about space here, what, what are a couple of the benefits of um, having a youth and bilingual uh, space that would be a little bit more intimate for them? We've talked about reforming another space so they can meet there. Why do they need to have their own space? Well, I think the video did a very nice job of, of covering that, but here are some facts that were probably left out of that video. You know, for these two ministries explicitly, we really have a disconnect between um, space needs and space availability. Uh, for instance, the bilingual ministry is meeting right now in the multi-purpose room. They usually have 60 to 70 folks in, in attendance, and they're meeting in a space that could really accommodate three or 400 very easily. Um, to equate that to here, it'd be like 200 people meeting here in both services on any given Sunday. So it'd be quite a, a, a waste of space, if you will, uh, or an inefficient use of space. So that's one reason. Uh, the youth ministry currently has about 100 kids uh, that are attending, and they are very cramped in the youth area that they're meeting in right now. So uh, by opening that up, uh, we would have a larger dedicated teaching space where they would be very adjacent to the North Auditorium uh, for their activities afterwards. Um, the other thing that I would tell you is kind of watch the uh, video announcements in the weeks ahead. Uh, both Pablo and Jordan are going to be uh, speaking to the benefits of, of what that would mean to their ministries. Um, so look forward to that. Thanks, Robert. Dave, as we wrap up here with this Q&A portion, uh, what are some next steps for those who are asking, how can I contribute? Or maybe I don't have that much to give right now. How can I help to make this vision a reality? Yeah, the, the first ask that we would have, and I, I struggled with how do I communicate this without it sounding uh, cliche, but as we look through our history, we have seen times of opportunity and struggle we have prayer warriors in this church. I mean, we have people that no matter what, um, what comes before us, they, they immediately go on their knees for prayer. So I would ask those prayer warriors to, to join us, and as well as the rest of us, to, to spend time in prayer for these initiatives to see what God would, God would have us do. And then, obviously, there is a financial aspect to this, and, and we do this as a family. There might be some individuals families who can do 50 or 100,000. There might be individuals or families that can do a few hundred or a few thousand. It's not about the amount. It's about the, the sacrifice. It's about the heart and how we move forward. Uh, this, is, um, this, this church family has, has responded to opportunities so many times in the past, and I have no, no question that they, will, that they will do that again. So, one of the things that we'll ask is on your way out, you'll be handed a brochure with a pledge card in it. We would ask that you would consider between now and November 18th, which is Celebration Sunday, what sacrificial gift you might be able to give. And so if you could remember to, to bring that on November 18th, Celebration Sunday, uh, we will trust God that, uh, that we can have many things to celebrate. We've seen God do so many things through the faithfulness of this church family. Um, and now, once again, we have an opportunity to ask him um, what he would do through us, what he would do through you. And we're excited to do that, and we trust that he will do it again. Thank you. Robert and Dave, thank you for all you've done to help get us to this point. These guys have been such a pleasure to work with in this project. Let me just wrap this up here this morning with one more verse, and then we're going to stand and sing in just a moment. Uh, one of my favorite blessings to give over this church is Ephesians 3, 20 through 22. And uh, at the end of the service, I get to do something called a benediction, which is a blessing, a prayer of thanksgiving over you. And one of the, the benedictions that I regularly give goes like this. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ever ask or imagine, According to his power, which is a work within us, to him be glory in the church and through Christ Jesus now and across all generations. Amen. And, you know, as I think of that verse and as I do that oftentimes at the end of the service, I regularly will get a catch in my throat around this line. 
He's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his work in us. Like, I mean, did you look in the mirror this morning? In us. God's plan for the world is to use ordinary, everyday people like you and me to expand his kingdom purposes across the world and to use us in this little postage stamp of his beautiful creation to say, I'm going to use you for the expansion of my kingdom in Kearney, Nebraska, and in the surrounding regions. And it gets me to thinking, as we've been talking a bit today about our church history, and it gets me to pondering about what might our legacy be a generation or two from now. And you think specifically about the legacy of those five Swedish immigrants, which we talked about and you saw in that video, and the amazing legacy that they had almost 100 years ago of saying, we are not going to allow this church to close down. We're going to put our hearts and our souls into it. And I am quite sure that nothing I will ever do will have the kind of profound, lasting legacy that they had. But it makes me wonder, what kind of legacy will we have? Because, my friends, we are sitting today in the legacy of the vision they had 100 years ago. And you think about what you heard as well this morning from 2001, when this church had gone through an incredibly difficult time, and on the east entrance of this building, if you've ever walked in through the east side, and have you ever looked at that rock pile and wondered, what is that about? Anyone else? That rock pile commemorates a time of terrible pain in this church body, in which a number of people in this room gathered together and said, we need a time of reconciliation and healing of apology and forgiveness, a time of majoring on the majors and learning once again to minor on the minors. And out of that came a church body that is known for love for God and love for others and tremendous unity across our fellowship. And do you realize as we sit here today, we are the beneficiaries of that vision? Or you think of 2010, and that ribbon cutting you saw in the video that led to this amazing lobby space where community happens on a week in and week out basis and this glorious auditorium and the kids ministry next generation space downstairs, all of which came out of a vision amongst people who were sitting over in that north auditorium and said, what if we could reach more people for the kingdom of God? What if we could reach more people for Christ by having an expanded worship facility and strengthen the bonds of community in this church by creating a beautiful lobby space. And do you realize that you today are sitting in their sacrifice right now? Those folks sacrificed, and we get to sit in that sacrifice today. We get to sit in their vision from 10 years ago today. And it still has $1.1 million to be paid off, as Robert said. And so many of us weren't even here back in 2001, but we have an opportunity to contribute to what happened to make this space a reality back then as we continue to look forward into our future. And again, as Robert noted already, who could have imagined that one year ago when we dreamt that perhaps with a God-sized vision, God would lead us to sponsor 150 kids in Colombia, and it turned into 360 kids. And now we have a relationship with two pastors in Columbia through which we are working to develop a child development center and a church plant in that region, which you can do for $80,000. Can you believe it? And might it be that God's vision for this generation is we are the ones that reignite the heart of missions for this congregation for the generations to come. And we might plant not just one or maybe two or maybe three churches and child development centers through Compassion International in the years to come. I don't know, none of us knows exactly what the future holds. But what if God chose to use this five-year strategic plan to capture the hearts of our youth, that 15 and 16-year-olds would never be lost in the crowd here anymore? The 15 and 16-year-olds would be equipped to lead in our community for Christ, equipped to lead across our world for Christ. What if 
Perhaps that would be our generation's legacy. Perhaps it would be we are the generation that fights the tide of superficial religion that exists across our culture in the United States. Do you realize that? There's such a tide of superficiality across America and across churches throughout America right now. And what if we were a part of fighting that tide and we were amongst the people that say, no, we are going towards spiritual depth rather than busyness. We are going deep into Christ because Jesus is the one who transforms families and transforms individuals and transforms communities. So to him be glory in the church and through Christ Jesus, now and across all generations. God, what might you use us for to advance your kingdom purposes in the years to come? Only God knows what he will ultimately do. But to realize that he chooses to use everyday folks like us as we pray with zeal, as we give generously to causes that are way bigger than self, as we give sometimes even sacrificially to a belief in the expansion of the kingdom of God which is way bigger than self. As we would see him capture more and more hearts for Christ in the years and the decades and the generations to come, we will say, to you be all glory, God. Now and across all generations, would you use even us to create an awesome legacy that others would look back on 2018 and say, wow, thank you, church, that you did that. Let's stand and let's sing to our God, asking him to do it again, to do a great work even in us.